I am Sydney, and welcome to the Marakere National Park, and most of all, welcome to my vehicle. I'm going to be with you on this game drive, and I hope you're all going to enjoy the environment here in Marakere National Park. Thank you, Sydney. Thanks. I would like to be guided by your special interest. What would you like to see the most this afternoon? We've seen the rhinos. We've seen some elephants. It's some cats. Some cats. Yes, please. Uh, where we are heading to is a preferable area by the leopards. Okay. So I hope we might see the leopards on our way up there. So we are going up high the mountains, whereby leopards, that is their favorite place. Mm. So, but our leopards are very much skittish. We must have to be very observant. Okay. They are very, very shy. Or yeah. they don't like the outdoors? Uh, no, they don't <laughs> like uh, too much vehicles and too much oh, noise. But this one leopard, I know, that one is very territorial. So when we get there... I will remind you so that we can we can look very well. Okay. So if we look very nicely, one of us is going to pick him up. So by this time of the day, he's out, he's lying next to the road. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. so for in case if you need my attention, you can just call Sydney, then I'll pay attention to you. Okay. And this is going to be an educational activity. I'm going to drive, find something, stop and explain. Okay. And I'm expecting lots and lots of questions from you. So the questions can be about the geology of the park, history of the park, botany, everything. And if you come across any distinctive smell, please let me know about this smell. Fresh broken branches can lead us to the elephants, dead animals can lead us to the scavengers, and scent marks can lead us to the cats. Zebra. Zebra. What? Yeah. Is that the zebra or the hyena? This one. 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 So is it a, a, a brown hyena or a spotted hyena? Oh. You can also tell from the droppings. So this is from the brown hyenas. So brown hyenas are very territorial and they've got different ways of marking their territories. So they use droppings and they use anal glands. So sometimes you will see by these grasses, you will see the two black markings. Uh, the other one is more milky, the other one is dark. You must know that this hyena secreted those, those markings through their anal passages. And you have to be very very careful because i have seen that a lot of people sorry for that a lot of people 
they come to the national parks and game reserves when wanting to use the toothpick they come and break glasses and that can can cause you problems uh, handling the animals droppings with bare hands is very dangerous if i want to talk about these droppings i must have a long stick to point them or else i must wear proper gloves i must also avoid by all means the inhalation of the dust if i inhale that dust i am going to get affected by what is called zoonotic diseases the zoonotic diseases are the diseases which can be transmitted from animals to human beings. Mm. So if you come here and, 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 and pick up the grass and use it as a toothpick, you are going to eat a lot of bacteria, mm. which is going to give you the same problems. Mm. So the droppings of the hyenas, they are getting hunted by animals such as the tortoise. The tortoise does not have tooth to crush bones, but for the tortoise, in order to maintain the shell to become hard, they must have to eat droppings of those that eat uh, bones so that oh. they can have calcium remaining. Oh. So in other words, by the bush, nothing is wasted. Mm. Droppings of the hyenas, <laughs> the other animals are getting benefit from them. Oh. So animals that eat droppings of the other animals, they are called caprophagias. So, but some of the animals, they defecate and immediately eat their own droppings, like the rabbit and hares. Those ones are called the atocaprophagias. Eating the other one's droppings is called allocaprophagias. Yeah, is there any, any question up so far? Yes, no sure. questions Thank yet. you. Okay, so yes. Is eating your own... The ones that eat their own droppings would regurgitating and then re-eating the same thing. Uh, no, what is happening here is that these uh, uh, rabies and hares, they defecate and at the same time they are going to eat the droppings. You will see, if you see their droppings, it's a second phase of recycling. It's going to be very light, but those ones that they are eating is still very green. So they don't do it through regurgitation. Remember, the animals that they regurgitate, uh, mostly as the predators but a lot of people they have got a confusion with these terms mm -hmm. we have got a process which is called rumination mm -hmm. rumination is done by the animals which has got a complex stomach mm -hmm. or a four-chambered stomach mm -hmm. like the buffaloes mm -hmm. when it's too hot they go out for feeding purposes mm -hmm. and they go and find a nice shade mm -hmm. and chew some card mm -hmm. which is called reverse peristalsis mm -hmm. it's also called rumination but some other people they call it regurgitation but regurgitation is referred mostly to the predators like the lions they go out for feeding purposes and they come back to the den and they have digest the food and vomit to give their little ones mm -hmm. so that the little ones can eat because their tooth structures are not strong enough to uh, to eat hard meat mm -hmm. yes okay is there any other question up so far so if you can check the issue about regurgitation and everything on the ground, if you see the animals that has got uh, an even number of toes, like two toes, four toes, they have got a complex stomach, all of them. Mm -hmm. And the animals that are hand gut fermenters, animals that the digestive system on them starts from the mouth as they are chewing, they have got uh, odd number of toes, like one, which is the zebra, mm -hmm. three, is the rhino, five elephant and us as well, we have got five toes. So digestive system on earth, on us, it starts as we are chewing. We are part of the hind gut fermenters. Mm -hmm. So we are non-ruminants. So on the ground, if you see the number of toes, it can tell you the type of stomach the animal you are following has got. Okay. 
Yeah. So animals that are falling under the group of odd number of toes, they are called the uh, perisodactyla. Those that are falling under the even number of toes, they are called arithiodactyla. Yeah. Okay. Let's carry on. So the elephants are not like the giraffes, the kudus, and this. They are not like the giraffes and the kudus. Elephants are bulk feeders. Bulk feeders, it means they are not selective. Elephants, they feed on both grasses, twigs, leaves, roots, and the bark. So the elephants can eat 400 kilograms of food a day. And the elephants, they've got to, to uh, uh, digest only 48% of 400 kilograms. So their droppings, they are still rich in terms of nutrients availability. So that is why the insects such as dung beetles, they target the elephant dungs and the rhino maidens. So elephants, when they, they've got babies, the babies, they've got to eat their droppings. They are like zebras. So eating the droppings helps them to get hold of the bacteria, the digestive bacteria. These animals, they are born free of the bacteria. So they must eat droppings of their mother so that they can have digestive bacteria. Is it safe to handle the elephant droppings like I'm doing? Yes. It's safe because it's the herbivores, as, as she indicated. So I'm, I was also interested if we can find some amaronas in there, but there's nothing. So what brings this color to the elephant droppings and the black rhinos, uh, this light brown, is tannin. Tannin is a poison secreted by the trees in order to protect themselves against their, their browsers. So browsers, when they come to eat, they don't stand by the same tree for a long time. The tree has to react immediately so that it can just eat a little bit and move on to the next tree. The next tree. So this color is coming from the tannin. So if you can check, animals that eat grass, their droppings are more black because the grass has got low level of tannin. Yes. Okay. Monogamous, they are pair bonded species. Aww. If one of them dies, the other one doesn't look for a new mate anymore. Forever. Yes, mm. so the Cape turtle dove is part of the doves that produce milk. Remember, bears they also produce milk. Yes, bears doesn't have mammary glands, but they've got their own way of producing milk. For the babies. They when they've got babies, yes, they've got to to break down the epithelial cells in their crop and then regurgitate the milk and give the milk to their little ones. Hmm. And that milk has been tasted. It giraffe. It has got a lot of. Uh, it has got a, a lot of fat content oh, than a cow milk. Oh, is it? Yeah. Who oh, tasted it? Is it got what? <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this is a small one. You see the small oh. one in the back. Oh, you yeah. must have a Look small at the little one. one. Yeah, I saw oh. <laughs> Let me pull forward so that you can see them nicely. You see the little one? <laughs> <laughs> 
need your baby so far behind you. Maybe it's trying to hide the baby. Oh. They don't want people to concentrate on the little ones. Oh, okay. so, so giraffes, wow. a group of giraffes together is called a journey of giraffes. Wow. It's also called a corpse of giraffes. Okay. It's also called a kaleidoscope of giraffes. Wow. They also call it a tower of giraffes. Some other people, they call it a kindergarten of giraffes. Oh, why do they have so many collective nouns? <laughs> it's a lovely animal. So you know giraffe wow. doesn't have a vocal call. You can surprise them, even the little ones. Really? You're not going to hear anything. They are lacking of a voice box. They only communicate via eyesight. Wow. If you can check, the whole body is camouflaged except behind the ears. Behind the ears is bright white. Mm -hmm. When for, walking, for they the must forward. have to spread their ears forward <laughs> for communication purposes. So giraffes, they've got a line behind their neck. If that line is flat, it's a sign. No reason. <laughs> if, if, if that line behind the neck is flat, it's a sign that this giraffe must have to go around the field and look for the bones of the old dead animals and chew them in order to gain calcium. So the animals that eat bones, they are called osteophagias. So if you can look at the bottom of their horns, in fact, the giraffe doesn't have horns. Mm. What you're seeing there is called an oxycone. A horn is something that is consisted of a bone and the keratin. Mm. There is just a bone in the skin. This is called an oxycone. At the bottom of the oxycones, there is something which is like a second pair of oxycone coming out. That is what is called the calcium pockets. It's where they store the calcium in order to maintain the body. Their stripes on these giraffes are not identical. Each one of them has got its own stripe. It's like our fingerprints. How they walk is very interesting. The movement of the giraffe is called an asynchronic movement, meaning that the legs of the same side walks at the same time. Giraffe is called a camel pelt because of the following. They walk like a camel and run like a horse. Mm. So they walk like a camel and run like a horse. Camel they have got a very dangerous kick. Okay. Giraffes, they kick to death. Sometimes they, they injure the lions, they break the jaws. Giraffes, they give birth after a long period of pregnancy of about 15 months. And they give birth while they're standing. The baby has to hit the ground as a wake-up call in order to kickstart their lives. So giraffes, unfortunately, for them to sleep, they've got to kneel down. They cannot lie down their head. If they lie down their head, the blood transport is going to affect the brain and they're going to die. Wow. Every time they've got to kneel down. Giraffes are not that water dependent. They can go for about a week or two without drinking water. They can just urinate a very sticky urine to keep the moisture as much as possible. So the males, how they advertise themselves for mating activities, they use a secretion of the fluid which gives a very strong body scent mm -hmm. and that is what attracts the females for mating purposes <laughs> so that little one is still very new you can see that the little one was concentrating in the area in the bent areas you see the color is more dark there mm. yeah so giraffes are very much clever animals and how they eat they, they consider wind direction their positioning must have to be whereby the wind is going to deposit away the scent because they know that when they are eating trees they react by releasing there's another one coming the, the trees react by releasing the, the, the pheromones and they don't want to inhale that mm. yeah 
So droppings of the giraffes is one of those droppings we can use when, when you are doing the survival course. If you are lacking of calcium, we can give you their droppings because they chew bones and the bones they chew does not have meat, meaning that their droppings does not have bacteria. Interesting. Yeah. So if you had to see one of their skulls, you would not see any... It would be flat because this is all skin, right? Yes, yes, but if you must check. Now the male difference between male and females is that the males have got dark spots, the mm. females have got light spots. Mm -hmm. But both male and females, when they're getting old, they're both dominant dark spots. Okay. So when they're all dark, you must consider the following. Males on top of their oxycones is bald. Females, they've got hairs. And mm -hmm. males have got thick oxycones. Females have got a thin oxycone. So they've got a very good eyesight. So they've spotted us. Yeah, he's was. And they've got a seven neck bone, eh? Huh? That, that, uh, that neck is very long, but they've got seven vertebrates, like us. So they can survive for about 27 years. Mm. Who is the natural enemy? Uh, the natural enemy for the giraffes is the lions. When the giraffes are drinking, they tend to become an easy prey because they fold their legs. Lions, they jump and catch them. About three years ago in the park, we used to have a pride of six lions which were concentrating on giraffes. Yeah. What? Yeah. <coughs> so the males, when they're feeding, they they stand and the females they bend the neck so you can also distinguish between the two Basically. from the feeding behavior yes sometimes males they bend the neck but it's very rare they are men women <laughs> <laughs> oh well <laughs> but they look like delicate animals eh? yeah. stand behind it <laughs> so thank you. They give birth and then isolate themselves for a while no. so that the little one can be able to learn the sport from their parents and parents can also learn the sports from their little ones. So you will see after birth for a week or two, they, they will be just by themselves. Parents, mom and dad or just mom? Uh, mom and dad. Oh, they call parents. <laughs> Where is this thing off now? Keep swinging. There. Yeah. They are also partners for life. Now those animals, their food structure has been designed for climbing rocks. They always travel in pairs. Yes, they travel in pairs every time. So if you look here on the side of their hair, of their face, they have got a black dot. That is a facial gland. It's a gland they are using for demarcation purposes. Is that a male or female? Male. That's a male. Yeah, it's a young male. So the kudus, the male carry horns and the females they don't carry horns. If you look, the male has got hairs here on their throat. Females they don't have hairs on their throat. If you look between the eyes, the kudu has got a V V line 
which is like white. Can you see that? Yes. That is a defense mechanism. When they see something, they vibrate the skin. When a predator sees the vibration of the skin, they think that could is very dangerous. And when running away from the predators, they raise up their, their tails and show off a very bright, fluffy hairs. So they want the predator to mark that white. Soon as they get to the bushes, they are going to lower the tail. It's like driving at night with the headlights on. You switch off the headlights and then turn. So someone who is behind you is not going to see where you went. Mm. So that is how they confuse the lions. This is the third largest antelope. An antelope is an animal that has got splitted hooves, four-chambered stomach, spiral horns, and the horns has got some screws. If you look on the body side, the kudu has got the stripes. Those stripes, when he is leaking of calcium, they get disappear. And when he's, when he's got uh, good calcium maintenance, you will see them like that. So those stripes are part of what is called the disruption markings. Those stripes are there in order to break the body shape so that the predators cannot be able to single one out. When the predator sees an individual kudu, they see him as a large group. Mm -hmm. They cannot distinguish between an individual and a large. So they try to single one from the stripes, That's and it's always very okay. difficult. So this animal can be able to jump from two meters high fence to four meters high fence from a standing position. Yeah. Mm. I yeah. saw one mm. clear an electric fence. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah. Like when they're running, they can jump over yeah. a private car. Sure. So their period of pregnancy is about six months. Both male and females, they have got large ears. The large ears helps them in order to collect a lot of sound because they are concentrating much more deep in the thick bushes. So if something is talking them, they can pick it up from a very long distance. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so is that the third largest antelope? Is it what, earland? You've got the earland and then the, the sable, kudu, and the roan antelope. Okay. Yeah. The sable bigger than a kudu? Yes, the sable is much bigger than the kudu. So the kudu is the third largest. Mm. Yeah. Do you guys have roan here? Yes, we do have the roan antelope. It's just that our lions were concentrating on them too much. We are left with only few now. Oh, no. Yeah. And they are scarce, is the it? Sable, we don't have any at all. They clear them. You can see the food is browsing there. Ah, that's a filming. That's yeah. a filming.
There's something very, very interesting here going on. Uh, these droppings are coming from the same animal. This male is coming here every time, defecate and kick the droppings, make use of the back legs. So the reason for him to leave behind these droppings is that he is trying to communicate with the other rhinos of the same species. This is the white rhino. You can see the, the grass. The black rhinos, their droppings are consistent of the twigs and leaves which is not finally digested. Mm -hmm. If another male white rhino of the same species comes here, this is what is going to happen. He's going to sniff these droppings. After sniffing, he's going to act as if he's smiling. When he's doing something which is called to grab mice, it's also called flamen. After that, he will transfer the information he, he got from the air particles to the roof of the mouth where there is a certain organ called a Jacobson organ. It's also called the vomeronasal organ. Then that information will be transmi transmitted from the Jacobson organ to the altofactory nerve. It's like a thin tube connected to the hypothalamus. Hypothalamus is, is one of the brain types responsible to give him updates about the following. From this whole exercise, he's going to manage to get a hold of the age of this one and it's going to have the emotional status of this one and it's going to have the individual identity of this one and also the reproductive status of this one what? so the animals <laughs> before they meet they know about their violent status from the droppings this is like a very big signboard with a whole lot of information about the territorial holder sure. who is uh, residing here if another one comes here and, and finds that this one is not strong, it's less aggressive. He's going to defecate on top of these droppings. So the territorial holder, when he comes back, he's going to pick up the scent. That one is going to defecate and kick. And when he's doing that, he's going to leave a trail. Where he's walking, he's going to leave behind the pheromone. The territorial holder is going to come and sniff and then investigate him and take him down. Where they are going to meet, a very big fight is going to take place. Mm -hmm. The fight for the rhinos can be very vicious. They kill each other. So here is where the decision as to whether I can go in to challenge him <laughs> or he's too dangerous to be taken. So the whole exercise is called olfactory uh, communication. It's a communication which takes place from the secretion of various skin glands, including urine and droppings. So, so this exercise is also done by the snakes. When seeing the snakes going with the tongue in and out, is when they're trying to pick up the air particles in order to investigate the direction of movement and how big is the threat. Is it the size of the threat or is the size of a prey? So if it's the size of their prey, is when they can prepare themselves for grabbing purposes. So they use the same exercise of the Jacobson organ. Also, other animals, for the males to be able to detect ostras, they are going to do the same exercise. They sniff the urine of the female, and that is how they are going to know whether that female is ready for mating or not. So the proof is the Facebook page. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. Twitter handle. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if you check, South Africa is unlike Australia. If you go to Australia and New Zealand, they have got a serious population of flies because they're lacking the dung beetles. Having the dung beetles in South Africa is minimizing the population of flies. They are the ones responsible to, 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 uh, to put down the population of flies. When they are rolling these droppings, they are destroying a place for the flies to lay more eggs. So the dung beetles, some of them 
they fly at night and they use the Milky Way. Young beetles cannot fly properly when the sun is overcast and when the sun is at the horizon. They can only fly nicely when the sun is on the side of their bodies. Some of these dung beetles, if you touch them, they act dead, which is something called thanatosis. is <laughs> a way of them to mislead the predators as if they are dead long time ago. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at the dung beetles, you will see when it's acting dead, you cannot tell whether it's something that has happened now or mm -hmm. a long time. So some of the snakes, they do that, like the wrinkles. The wrinkles, they act dead. They come here and lie on the ground and even do something which is called autohemorrhage, whereby they can bleed on the side of their mouth. Just false build, so that they, the snake eagles cannot learn to catch them, because snake eagles are more interested on those that they catch themselves. Mm -hmm. When they see that this is dead and it's like this, it has been there for a while, they're not going to learn to catch that one. Mm -hmm. So snakes as well, they act dead. They you must be very careful. Sure. Yeah. That's so dung beetles, they also, uh, 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 they, they also carry diseases. The domestic dogs and the wild dogs, if they eat the dung beetles, they are going to get affected by something which is called Espirocica lupi, whereby the dung beetles by the mouth, they fly up with the bacteria, the bacteria that helps them to detect the food. So they have got a lot of worms, and if the dog eats that, it's going to get stuck. That worm is going to get stuck by the oesophagus, and one of the symptoms is going to be coughing. When the dogs are coughing too much, you must know that the larynx is affected by the dung beetles. They ate the dung beetles. Yeah. Is there any any question up so far? Not really, you're covering everything. <laughs> <laughs> Telling me things I didn't even think about. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I do wish I had brought a dictionary though. <laughs> <laughs> sure. wow. what, what kind of zebras are those? They are partial zebras. Yes. It's true, they are basal zebras. The difference between the basal zebras and the mountain zebras is that the basal zebras, if you look at them nicely, they have got a lot of black stripes around their bodies. The mountain zebras, they have got less black stripes around their bodies. And the basal zebras, they have got some yellowish shadows on their stripes. The mountain zebras, they don't have yellowish shadows on their stripes. And the mountain zebras, their stripes, are coming, hello? Aren't they like donkey-like? I always think mountain zebra is a bit of donkeyish. A little bit, yes. But the stripes for the mountain zebras is coming halfway down to the bellies. Mm -hmm. Of the basal zebras is coming from underneath the bellies. And oh. the legs of the mountain zebras, they are fully striped. Of the basal zebras, they are not fully striped. Basal zebras, they have got short, elongated ears. Mountain zebras, they have got pointed ears. Mm. So the social structure of the zebra is called a harem, whereby we have got one breeding male in charge of several females. Mm -hmm. A collective noun for all zebras together is called a dazzle of zebras. Mm. So zebras, when they see a predator, they don't just run away. They arrange the little ones in a very good order. They put the little ones in front and the big ones at the back so that the little ones can determine the speed of the group. Because if the, the big ones are in front, possibly they are going to outrun their babies. So after that, they are going to walk towards the predator 
and and keep a distance of about 100 meters which is called a flight distance a flight distance is a distance where all these animals you know allows their predators to approach before they rise the safety after that is when they will arrange their babies so zebras they give birth after a long period of pregnancy of about 364 to 367 days. What? That's over a year. So it's almost a year. And immediately after birth, you must check. When the babies are standing together with the mothers, the stomach height is going to be at the same level. Zebras have done a very good studies. They have seen that predators during the hunting activities, they've got to lower their head. Just think about the prey. All the animals that get hunted, their eyes are located on the side of the head so that they can have a wide vision. So all the predators, the eyes on all predators are located on top of the head, high up, so that when they're hunting, they've got to lower their head. When the head is down, still the focus is there because the eyes are up here. Mm -hmm. So the reason for the eyes to be located here is to have a binocular vision and to be able to judge a distance before they chase that animal. So now, when the lion is hunting the zebras, the first thing they approach is the stomach height because the head is low and zebras, all the stomach height is at the same level, which makes it very difficult for the lion to distinguish between the adults and the babies because everything is at the same level. It's not like us uh, sporting from the top to the bottom. We can see in steps, but where he's starting, if he's at the bottom, all these animals will oh. be at the same height. Mm. Yeah, so that is how that is how the zebras are misleading their predators. Are they zebras, they've got a good kick and turn mechanism. When the zebra is turning to the right, they kick to the left. When it's turning to the left, they kick to the right. Mm. So the same kind of behavior done by the elephant, whereby little ones eat the droppings of their mothers, is also done by the zebras. So this 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 tendency of eating the droppings uh, it also happens to the human beings it's just that by us we don't eat the droppings the main reason for them to eat is to get the digestive bacteria but us when having problem with the with the digestive system we go for the consultation and the doctor is going to give you the probiotics mm. so the probiotics they they serve the same as the droppings when these animals are eating mm. yeah Okay. So these animals have got a very good eyesight. That is why every time you will see them working together with some other species. Is that a game or so fight? That is a fight. Really? Yeah, when they can they can upright stand when they're fighting. Some of them don't have tails. So if you can check that, that is very serious. Oh look at the kicking. Yeah, the kick oh. and the <laughs> Oh wow, that is a very look at the kick. Fight. And be, before they fight you can tell. A bit forward, Sydney. Oh, this is a key covering. Yes, see. I thought they were playing. No, that is a fight. That one is a fight. The dominant male is called a stallion, and a young male is called a colt. A, a female is called a mare. So, a dominant male is called a stallion, a young male is called a colt, and a female is called a mare. For the colt to introduce their own families. They've got yeah, to corner some of the few females from the existing heads. So that is where you will find quite a lot of fightings. Hmm. So before they fight, this is what is going to happen. He is going to uh, pull the head up and extend the neck forward. Hmm. Open the mouth 
and show off the, the teeth. If another one does the same body gesture, a big fight is going to take place. You can tell before they fight that they're going to fight. Oh. Yeah. So they're fighting for girls. That's, yeah, what, fighting. that's all animals fight for. please. It's a manual already. All three. This is beautiful, eh? Yeah? You know what we must do? We're going to have to go and park the vehicle there and then we can walk them. We can walk? Really? Yes. yes, we can walk them. Is this a male or female? Is, uh, is this a mom, dad and a baby? Is on our favor. But if we come from this side, then it will be difficult. We are going to, to have a, a short walk. So I'm going to give you some ground rules. We're going to walk on a single file form. You're, you're going to walk behind me on a straight line. And I'm going to decide on very simple communication signals. So when I'm say, when I'm doing this, it means come. This, it means go down. This, it means let's go back. So we have to be very silent. Don't worry, when these animals are starting to investigate, it's normal. 
So, but make sure that you avoid stepping on dry leaves and dry branches. So we are going to go there and and hopefully to leave without them notice about our presence. Can Bongi come with her hair? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. They hear my hair. Okay, let's get going, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, if you can just come and approach and approach, you'll come five meters. If it picks up any 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 noise, then you come. Is it one of those that made that walking spot at the top of the mountain? Come again? Is it one of them that made the the spot there, that walking spot? That, that one, that, that big male we saw down now. Ah, yes. Is the tutorial hold? Okay. This one is fighting. It's fighting him. This one is getting. It, it, it has just reached maturity not long time ago. Oh, so now he's fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He wants to be the main man. Yes. Ah, okay. Also, this dropping down for that big one. between the male and female zebras. The male zebras, they've got a thin line under the tail. The females, they've got a broad line under the tail. So the zebras, like I indicated earlier, is one of the species that has got a very good eyesight. So you will see them mostly with the blue wildebeest. Because the wildebeest, they rely on zebras to detect when the predators are coming. They have got a poor eyesight. Okay. But the wildebeest, they are well gifted in terms of the sense of smell. They can smell well, zebras cannot smell very well. So it's a symbiotic relationship. It's mutualism. From feeding together, they both get benefit. And they're getting dry now. It's too old. Okay, that's a weird. Oh, you grab eating beans. Like, what is it? Do we eat the seeds as well? No, you throw them out. <laughs> so you'll be constipated real bad. Yeah, right. If we eat the seeds. Yeah. What happens if you eat the seed? 
constipation much. Okay. We all have. Mm. Okay. Thank okay. you. Not only do drivers and so us all of this stuff, you feed us too. <laughs> <laughs> There's a weird dryness they have Those things is, is the buffalo droppings in there. <laughs> this is there. And you're just gonna stay in there, buddy. Like So this is the Dakar boy. Yeah. The Dakar boys are the solitary buffaloes which walk by themselves. Mm -hmm. Mostly you will see them full of mud. When it's too hot, they prefer to go and do mud wallowing. <laughs> Come again. I've got to negotiate. Right, he's leaving. Never mind. He's not, he doesn't want to play. He's, he's sick. Where? Right. He's not birth. preparing to. What's going on? No, it's a male. <laughs> <laughs> he's giving birth. This male is got a problem. But it's the pink in the sick? back. No, you, you, you. Think that was his penis? Yes. Mm. It was. Oh, sorry, I didn't see. I just saw something. You can see that he, he was smelling on the ground there. I think he's, he, he's getting excited. Maybe he did pick up the signals that one of the females is an ostrich. And around the corner. Yeah, because I saw. <laughs> oh, I, was, I thought you were going to say he picked up me. So if you look at the body coloring, the buffaloes are black. So this black color restricts them from doing some feeding activities during the day. Early mornings at about half past eight, the buffaloes must go and sleep, and they will wake up between half past three and half past four. If you look at uh, if you look at the impalas, the impalas has got three body colors. Mm -hmm. They have got a brown, dark brown here, and they've got light brown here and bright white on the stomach. Those colors they give the impalas a better adaptability. When it's too hot, impalas can do both reflection and absorption of the heat. This one can only absorb, cannot reflect. That is why they've got to go and hide by the, the thick bushes and also in dogas. This one is looking for a fight. Look at the horns. Can yeah. you see that the, the horn, he was, he was hitting the bushes? Yeah. Yeah, you can see that he was sharpening the horns. So he's looking for a fight. Oh. Oh, there's bush pigs. Yeah, a lot of bush pigs there. You see the, those animals running there between those bushes. There, there. Oh, yeah. Those are the bush pigs. Wait. Bush pigs. Yeah, no, not the warthogs, the bush pigs. Oh, it's, really it's a different species, yeah. They were like somewhere just there. Yeah. Were so, they fighting? It, no, they're just not. Right, it's... it's now, we are delayed. Like yeah. if you find an isolated bull who's old, right, and has been kicked out of his and he's angry. It's, no, he's not kicked out, but if they're not interested in mating activities, then they decide to be solitary. Well, you're really going to come for us, dude. Let's <laughs> see what he's thinking. Just Let's just try time. to see what he's thinking. You can see that he's investigating the, the urine and the droppings of the others. It's meant to be difficult to get to the top, right? Eh? 
is delaying us. Yeah, roadblock. Dude, we need you to move. Like, seriously. On the rail. I'm not here for a bike. So they don't have a good eyesight and they don't have a good hearing ability but the sense of smell is excellent. So the buffaloes, they are not territorial. These ones are home ranges, meaning that they can just go anywhere and everywhere. See what he's thinking. I just want to see what he's thinking. He wants to walk. Hmm. Maybe he just doesn't have room to move. He wants to walk. Yeah, maybe he's Is the tree is eating. Yeah. You can see is the one who took off that bark. You see, he's hitting that tree again. Mm. He's sharpening the horns. Yeah. 
Uh, welcome to the Marakere National Park. Uh, I am Sydney. I am the head guide of the Marakere National Park and uh, my responsibilities include the familiarization of the natural environment to the people. I create the awareness of the natural environment to the people in the form of uh, game drives and the guided walks. So today I've got some other guests from Johannesburg. We are up by the Linong viewpoint now whereby we are enjoying the panoramic views of the majestic Waterberg Mountains. Our game drive earlier on, we have covered a lot of sightings, which includes the giraffes, we saw the zebras, we even saw the white rhinos, we saw the different families, and we saw a lot of clips spinning us. So here on top, we were expecting to see the leopards, but the game drive is not yet over. Hopefully, before we finish with this game drive, we might see a leopard. So Sydney is the one who won the previous Lelizela 2016 award as best nature guide of the whole South Africa and that is not my first award that is my award number 16 I have been dominating a lot of awards on both uh, provincial, uh, national and also sun parks I have got a couple of achievements the reason why I am getting all these awards is that um, uh, since I have joined the South African national parks I am always guided by the customer-centric focus. Uh, I know that as a guide, I've got a very huge responsibility of representing my country and Sun Parks, my employer. Remember, some other adjacent countries, they are catering for the same kind of experience I am providing, meaning that uh, it's competition every day. Competition is not all about the Chief Executive Awards, it's not all about the Regional Awards, it's not all about the Lizella Awards and the Provincial Awards. So every day I've got a responsibility. I am competing with the other uh, guides from the other countries through customer service. Yeah, Markel National Park is one of the very interesting places, and I can promise you now that uh, in terms of the interpretation of the natural environment, we are the best. So make sure that when coming to South Africa, you pass by the Markel National Park and, and experience the best wildlife experience ever. Here we are giving people a very good unforgettable experience not unforgettable experience because it's bad i am referring to a very good memorable experience so customer service good sightings good understanding of animal behavior is guaranteed Yeah, our activities, uh, they are taking place early in the mornings and late afternoons. And we also got one of the very interesting 4 by 4 activity, which is a, a day activity whereby we are doing the 4 by 4 experience. So our game drives, we are starting early in the mornings according to the activities of the animals and late afternoons according to the activities of the animals. So we have got the best departure times ever because they are not just decided to take place at that time. All these departure times has been designed based on the animal activities. Thanks. Yeah, so your mobile office. <laughs> yeah, so those were the were the white rhinos. I know a lot of people they've got a confusion between the black and the white rhinos. So here comes the difference. The black rhinos in size they are small. White rhinos, they've got a big body size. And a black rhino has got a small nuchal hump. A white rhino has got a big nuchal hump.
A black rhino has got a short head carrying high. A white rhino has got a big head carrying low. A black rhino has got a hook lip. It's got a prehensile lip. A white rhino has got a square lip, suitable for grazing. The hook lip for the, for the black rhinos is suitable for browsing. Mm-hmm. And the short knuckle hump is to give him access in order to reach the leaf so that he can extend the angle of the neck. Mm-hmm. So the big knuckle hump for the white rhino is there in order to hold the heavy weight, in order to, to, uh, to assist the muzzle to pick up the big head carrying low. So in a dangerous situation, you can distinguish between these two species when it comes to the arrangement of their little ones. The black rhinos, they prefer to feed deep in the thick bushes. So it means if they are threatened, the mother has to go first so that she can open a pathway for the little one to follow behind. So the white rhinos, because they prefer to feed by the big open spaces, uh, there's no problem for the little one to run in front. So the little one for the white rhinos is in front of the mother and for orientation and navigation the little one is depending on the horn the horn is there to guide the little ones the direction of movement and is there for protection so rhinos cannot see that very well Who is they, rhinos? The, the rhinos get get caught by the lions sometimes so some of the lions they take down the small ones even the big ones They've got a very thick skin. The lions can also be able to take down the elephants. In Botswana, there used to be a pride of 18 lions specializing on elephants. So they can be able to take down the elephants. So the, is it the, out of desperation or is it a challenge or what is it exactly? Yeah, these, these lions, if you can check, when, when they are so very hungry, yeah. if they cannot find anything to eat, yeah. they, their last result the result is to target the difficult animals. Oh, okay. Some of the animals, like the waterbuck, the waterbuck, when they see the predator, they, they secrete something which is called a sweat glands, which makes the meat to become unpleasant. So it doesn't have a good taste. It has got a very unpleasant taste. Yeah. So the lions, if they eat the waterbuck, it means they are battling to catch the right species. Mm. So the rhinos... The, the eyesight is not that very good. They can see very well up to 30 meters, but from 30 meters to 100 meters, they can see, but they cannot judge very well. Mm. They can hear up to 50 meters. They can detect a human scent at a distance of about 800 meters and more. Wow. So rhinos are very territorial and they are very interesting. If one of the families mark their territory in the areas whereby there is no dam or the water becomes dry during the dry season is not going to be the end of the world they are not going to starve rhinos they do help each other so they are going to be allowed to trespass and have water by their neighboring territories but their protocols when entering someone's territory they are not allowed to raise up their head their tails and and their ears if they do that it serves as a provocation sign so when entering someone's territory, they must have to lower the ears, the head, and the tails. Otherwise, they must have to avoid contact. So the big males, which has been defeated on their old territories, they are allowed to remain in those families. But uh, from the beginning of the new owner, they must have to keep a distance from the females. If they go near the females, then a big fight is going to take place. They must have to be submissive all the time. Yeah. yeah, so the rhinos are very much interesting and 
they prefer to, to, to lie down, by the, they sleep by the road at night. Why? Because the roads, it holds a lot of radiant energy. So when they're lying on the road, they're still enjoying the heat at night. Mm -hmm. So early in the mornings when driving, you must have to be careful when driving on the gravel road. Mm -hmm. Because that is where, especially where there's too much sand, that is where they go and lie down at mm -hmm. night. So to see how old is the baby, you must check the following. Uh, if you see that there's a front horn and no development of the second horn, it means the baby is less than two years. If there's a development of the second horn, it's two years and above. Mm -hmm. Rhinos, they reach maturity when they're about 12, 12 and a half years. They can survive up to 45 years. Wow. So when it's too hot, they've got a tendency, which is done by the elephants and the and the uh, uh, warthogs, whereby they must have to go and look for the mud wallowing so that they can absorb the mud and use the mud as a sun cream in order to prevent the sunburn. Mm. Yeah. So these animals, they, they've got more or less same kind uh, behavior as humans, whereby we, we are these days using the makeups. So they use the mud as a makeup in order to avoid sunburn. Hmm. Yeah. Is there any question up so far on rhinos? No, not on rhinos. Okay. I was going to ask what we can find here. Now, here, a lot of animals are discouraged. You can sometimes find zebras and wildebeest, but this is a, a suitable habitat for the lepers. Because the lepers, they prefer high up so that they can monitor the ground. And when they see something down, then they go down for hunting purposes. Here is where they hide. But big animals such as the elephants, it's very rare to see them up here. They try to walk on this road, but they don't come high up. They turn again and go down. So sometimes they block this road. So okay, the elephants, <laughs> they are attracted by the water. This area down there, which is very green, is a wetland. And by this wetland, we even got some of the carnivorous plants, the plants that eat insects. We have got the Dros Drosera rotundifolia. It's called sundew. They secrete some of the shiny, slimy things which attract these insects. When the insects come, they get stick and then they catch them and absorb them. So those kind of trees, they are exposed in the marshy areas whereby there is a shortage of, of nitrogen. Yeah. The nitrogen, you were talking Nana, about the plants getting hit by lightning. Is that also for the, does that have a purpose for them to get nitrogen, the ground and everything? The, if, it, if, if a tree gets hit by lightning, there's most nitrogen that goes yes, into yes. the ground. Yes, okay. then the nitrogen goes. Some of the trees at the bottom section there, last year I think three different trees, three different species got struck by the lightning. Yeah, but they, they couldn't survive. They're all dry now. So here in Tavazimbi, because of the iron, as I indicated earlier, the, the, the lightning is violent. So these mountains... If you can look at them very nicely, some of them they are they are low and that one is high. This mountain you are seeing, which is lower than that one, is much heavier than that. So this is a sign that during the the movement of the plate tectonics, the mountains with the high density sink down, and the ones with the light density left up. So it means that one, in terms of the weight, is not heavier than this one. Yeah. 
So if you can check the, these mountains, they've got some layers. This is telling you that these mountains, they are sedimentary rocks. Sedimentary rocks are the type of rocks which are formed through a process which is called lithification, whereby the water collects a lot of debris and it, it get deposited and get stuck. That is how these layers were formed. Mm -hmm. But the mother rock of all these rocks I'm is sorry, the metamorphic rocks. That? Can you please repeat that about the water and the debris? The, okay, so Sorry. yes, no, that's fine. So these these mountains, they are not volcanic mountains. These mountains were formed as a result of a lot of water masses. So what happened here is that there was quite a lot of uh, different streams, and these streams deposited a lot of debris. Debris are the material deposited by the rivers, and they get deposited and get lithified. So the sedimentary rocks are formed through lithification process, whereby they are arranged into layers. So these, these rocks, the mother rock is the metamorphic rocks. So it means uh, the mother rock is the igneous rocks. So the igneous rocks somewhere else get deposited. And during this deposition, remember there is a process called weathering, which is the breaking down of rocks into small particles. Mm. And those small particles are sandstones. And those sandstones is the one that arrange and build these mountains. There is a lot of evidence in the park showing that this area has been watered before. These mountains we are talking about, uh, on top of the mountain behind this one, we have got one of the very interesting ancient plants. It's called the Waterbeck Cycad. The scientific name, they call it the Infasolatus Eugene Marae. It was uh, discovered by one of the old researchers. That plant is dated million years ago. It's associated with the time of the dinosaurs. And that is one of the species which is making Marakele a unique national park. They plant together with the, one of the largest breeding colony of the Cape Vultures are the two things which created the conservation activities to take place in this area. This Marakele National Park started by 1986 as a conservation area. They were uh, uh, conserving those two species, but it was later proclaimed by the year 1994 to become a national park. It was first called the Kranzberg National Park, and then it, it, then the name was changed to the Marakele National Park. The Marakele National Park, Marakele actually doesn't have a meaning. It's a typical era. The park was supposed to be called Mira King National Park. Mira King, which means a place of heading. And this Mira King is, is, is a name which is originated from the local community, which is the Tswana people, which means a place of heading, whereby they were doing the livestock. So if you can go to the Tswanas now and all the other tribes, Marakele is not there. It doesn't exist. It's a typical era of the Mira King National Park. So Marakele, they say, is a place of sanctuary. And if you go to check what a sanctuary is, it has got nothing to do with the, with the stock farming activities. Mm. Uh, it has got something to do with wildlife. And here, previously, it was about stock farming activities. Mm. Yeah. So these mountains, when talking in terms of the continental drift theory, 250 million years ago, these mountains were here. When there was the, the, the first split, which was the development of the two supercontinents, the northern Laurentia and the southern Gondwana, these mountains were here.
And after the second split, which was the development of the uh, uh, continent Africa, and the South America moved up, these mountains were here. These mountains are even 20 million years older than Cape Point. So during the Jurassic period, the, the Dutch East Indian Company settled somewhere in Waterberg here. They misjudged the, the distance. When they got here, they thought they are in Jerusalem. They were on their way to Jerusalem. So the, the lot of stock farming activities in the area a uh, long time ago also caused a serious breakout of the tsetse fly. The tsetse fly is one of the insects which transmit the sleeping sickness disease. So this area, it was overgrazed at one stage. If you can check by the reception side entering the big section, there's a lot of areas which does not have vegetation. And a lot of people and guests, when they come to Marikala National Park, they write us big complaints and say, we are not managing the wildlife properly uh, because the area is overgrazed. There is no balance between animals and vegetation. They are saying this because they don't know that that area is one of the youngest area which has been bought recently which is under rehabilitation we have introduced a lot of various teams the the community-based employees which are under the epwp which are now busy doing the rehabilitation process and these processes they are they are rehabilitating the area we are getting successful okay yeah, interesting. okay i think we've covered that bed is trying to scare the other birds. <laughs> so the birds are very territorial. So they must have to come back to their territory and make noise to advertise their presence against their intruders. So it's like if there is a predator or an intruder is saying to that animal, I saw you, you're just wasting your time. It's better you go back. I saw you already. So in the mornings as well, when they wake up, they must have to advertise themselves. Mm. So the birds, they, they've got three types of migration. One is called palliatic migration, whereby they've got to leave South Africa to overseas, to Europe, during the summer season in Europe, so that they can eat. So during the dry season in South Africa, you will only see the common residents. So the migratory species, they go. Another species is called the, another type of migration is called the intramigration. Intramigration is the continental migration. Some of these bird species, they just move around the continent. They cannot go out of the continent. And another one is called the altitudinal migration, whereby they just go high altitude and low altitude. What causes this migration is the following. The, the best that is insects, the insectivores, there is no insects during the dry season. And the piscivores, the best that eat fish, there's no fish during the winter season. And the snake eagles, the snakes, they hibernate during the dry season. So the snakes, the, the snake eagles, they don't have food to eat. And the fructivores, those that eat fruits, there's no fruits during the dry season. So also, the, the day length, the winter season has got short day length. And during the winter season, the trees, they lose the leaves. And losing the leaves, it, it kickstarts predation to become very high because now the other predators can see them when they're sleeping there. Mm -hmm. So that is why they must have to leave here to go to the other areas. Mm -hmm. But before they leave, they've got to do something which is called 
hyperphagy, which means concentration, concentrating on energy food so that they can go long distances. How, how long are the, they say, to another continent and within the continent? How long are the flights? How long do they take? No, they, 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 they go and they stop and oh. they go. And before they, they go, you will see some of these birds are too clever. They make biltongs. They catch the locust and they put them by the grasses. Before they go, they go and pick them up and eat, and then they go. So these these birds, we have got some of the birds this, which are called the vagrant species. Vagrant species are the rare species. Like when they are leaving or when they are coming back, you will find some of the bird species which doesn't belong to Marakele. They are just here for a while because they are passing by. So they go and settle, and they do like nomadism. They go and settle here for a week and they carry on just like that mm. until they get to Europe. Those that are going for the first time must have to learn to remember the landmarks. Mm. And those birds that, that has been there previously, uh, it's like us, we know where home is, we know where the shops are. Mm. So they can be able to orientate and navigate their route. Mm. So these birds, they are very much clever. When they come back to South Africa, they come and stay by the same tree. Mm. So you, the birds from Marakere will go on migration and come back to the same tree. What are the chances of getting lost? No, the, the chances of getting lost are not very there, only to those that are going for the first time. They even fly at night. They can use the constellations. They can see the, 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 some of the, of the landmarks as well during the day. Some of these birds, like the Egyptian goose, they fly at night. So they can be able to navigate, make use of the stars. Wow. So they can be able to distinguish between the anabatic and the catabatic wind. The anabatic is the ocean breeze. Catabatic is the mountain breeze. They can be able to distinguish between those things. So in the probability of the ones going for the first time getting lost, do they just settle there or do they try no, to find their way? They, they go, before they do migration, they, they, they form flocks and they go in big groups. So those that are going for the first time, they are going to shadow those who will be leading during the trip. Yeah. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. So, no so if you can, if you can just check, né? these birds, the birds that nest up by the trees, they are called arboreal. The birds that nest on the ground, they are called terrestrial. So the birds that nest on the ground, such as the ostrich, as well as the guinea fowls and francolins, when they hatch eggs, you must check, already their little ones have the feathers and they can see, they can call, they can eat and they can run. Because on the ground is vulnerable. Those that nest up by the trees, because it's a nest, it's like a house. When they hatch the eggs, they, they don't have feathers and the eyes are closed. They cannot call, they cannot see, mother has to help them. So because those ones are not vulnerable. Yeah, the difference between the blue and black wildebeest is that the blue wildebeest in size is got long arms. Black wildebeest short arms. The blue wildebeest they've got a large mane. Black wildebeest a short mane. And the blue wildebeest has got hairs on the throat only. The black wildebeest is on the throat and on the thorax. The tips of the horns of the blue wildebeest is facing inwards. Of the black wildebeest is frontwards and upwards. The one you used to see by that old two cent coin, 
and which is now on the five-rand coin is the black wildebeest. Mm. The black wildebeest has got a white tail. The blue wildebeest has got a black tail. So both blue and black wildebeest doesn't have a good eyesight. So the wildebeest, they, they, they are part of those animals that are doing migration during the dry season. It's just that in national parks, we have got fences. But if you check on TV during the dry season, you will see them in huge numbers there in Africa moving from one place to the next. So wildebeest, they are territorial, but their territories keep on changing according to the availability of food. They defecate at the same spot for demarcation purposes. They also got the interdigital gland. They've got a gland between their hooves whereby they are scratching the ground and, and they put it there for demarcation purposes. Sometimes they scratch against the trees and use the facial glands for demarcation purposes. So, wildebeest are not clever animals. These days I have seen lions, they chase them and wait. They run and come back to the same spot. <laughs> so, they're not that very clever. And they are inquisitive. I was once on a sighting where four wildebeest got killed by six lions. What? They took down the first, the first wildebeest. And the remaining wildebeest went closer to investigate what happened to their friend. <laughs> and they took the second one. And the third one, they went to investigate again. They took the third one until four were killed. And they did not even feed on those wildebeest. Later on, the lions went to the waterhole and they took down the kudu. And they never returned to the wildebeest. They ate the kudu. Yeah. So they came from Yeah, oh, look here, yeah, there's an ant. Yeah? There's even the small ants. You see, this ant that you see by the house, this ant has got two stomachs. Eh? He's got a stomach for him to eat, and he's got a stomach for him to store the food for those that are left by the colonies. So the ants are almost blind. They use the antennae and the legs in order to sense the food. They can even feel the taste from the legs. So these insects, the ants and the birds, they have got a good relationship. Sometimes you will see the birds on the ground playing with the ants. It's when the birds are looking for the ants in order to do something called hunting. Hunting is one of the various ways birds are using to clean themselves. When those birds are on the ground, they let the ants walk over them and suddenly they provoke the ants and the ants react by releasing what is called a formic acid and that formic acid can serve as an antiparasitic so it can be able to chase the parasites so the bears knows that so the ants the ant doesn't yeah, yeah but the ants are very clever if you can check me uh, each one of them is consisted of about 250,000 brain cells and if you take 250,000 brain cells multiplied by 40,000, if there are 40,000 in the colony, is 10,000 million brain cells, which is equivalent to the human brain. So it means collectively they think like we do. Collectively. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. They're a corporate human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have my house. It's not the only one. Oh. So yeah, there's few queens and uh, their social structure is called a case. It's like the termites, whereby there are different departments. The queen uh, is responsible to mate with the other males, but the males, they only mate once in their lifetime. After mating, the, mate, the male must die.
the rhino beetle, the leopard tota, the elephant shiryu, and the buffalo weaver. So those are the small five. So the ant lions, ne, is those ones that develop the peach. You see those small peach in the morning. So it's an ant trap. If the ant fall in there, it's going to get trapped, and that animal is going to catch it and absorb the seed. Uh, the ant lion cannot eat the cheating because they are not allowed to defecate until they reach maturity. When you see that animal in that little bit, is when it's doing its lava stage. And the lava stage takes about three years. After three years, it's going to do the pupa stage. And the pupa stage is going to secrete the silk and collect a lot of sand and create a ball like a dung beetle. Then it's going to do the pupa stage in there. Soon as it's done with the pupa stage, it's gonna crack that ball and come out with the wings. It's going to fly. It becomes a dragonfly. Yeah, ant lion becomes a dragonfly, and it's nocturnal. They fly at night with the broad leaves, uh, with, with the broad wings, and you will even see those mandibles. It's, the problem is, they once they reach maturity, they only have 55 days of survival. They spend more than three years doing the other stages and only survive and get married in 55 days. <laughs> a lot of them are dying without reproduction because the, the, the time frame is too small. It's not uh, uh, automatic that the female will just accept the proposal. So when they're still trying to convince the female that the days are going and they die. <laughs> 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 what is it that's killing down to the five days? No, after 55 days, it means they're done with the whole life cycle. They're going to die. So they die all Naturally, day. yes, all the age. Time. that I went past there. These streams, when it's raining, they collect a lot of nutrients and minerals. And animals, they know that. They come to this area whereby there is debris and they eat the soil. You know, the, the, the soil, the red soil indicates a lot of iron. And animals, they do need iron hmm. uh, as a mineral to maintain the body. You don't get surprised when seeing animals eating the soil. That is normal. Animals that eat soil, they are called Geophagias. Does that apply? So, to, is that the same with humans who eat soil? Yes. Really? Mostly when they're pregnant, some they eat the clay, they eat. So that is when because your body is looking for the minerals. Oh, because. Oh, okay. Okay, I think you just cleared it. Because they say that you eat sand because you lack iron. Um, yeah. Yes. That's why you go towards it. Yes. It, so. So these animals, they know how to get hold of the iron naturally. So they eat the red soil. The red soil indicates a lot of iron oxide. Mm -hmm. So that is how they get it. So they are called geophagias. Geo means earth. It's like animals eating earth. Geophagias. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's one of the nocturnal species. So if you shine a spotlight on them, Because the rhinos, the, their pupil has been designed like ours. 
They are lacking of something which is called a tetraprocedure. It's like a thick reflective membrane. It's at the back of the pupil, which, which is there to reflect the light. So, if you shine the, the spotlight to the elephants, they get aggressive because they are also lacking of that. So elephants, you don't shine spotlight because they are lacking of, of, of the tectum lucida. Also, rhinos by my headlights. Mm. Oh, there. That is the spotted eagle owl. Mm -hmm. You know, the owls are very much interesting. Uh, if you can check, the owls can extend their ears. Mm -hmm. If you make noise a little bit, they are going to extend the, the, their feathers so that they can open ears and hear very well. And somewhere here, They've got a, a small piece of meat, which is like a button. Mm. That, that is called operculum. That is there in order to collect a lot of sound coming from the front. And owls can do something which is called to split seconds different. Mm. They can program their ears in such a way that the left ear can copy what I'm seeing now, as the right ear is still concentrating doing what he was doing before us. What? At the same time. They can listen to two different channels. What? Yeah. It is insane. <laughs> okay. And a group of eagles is a convocation of eagles. A group of owls is what? A, a group of owls is called a parliament of owls. And of vultures is a committee of vultures. And of the eagles is a convocation of eagles. Of the guinea fowls is called a confusion of guinea fowls. <laughs> Why are they confused? Yeah, they look confused. They look confused. Yeah, they look confused. Okay. Uh, welcome back. We don't want to go back, Sibi. You don't want to go back? No. Oh, you must plan another Why trip. I was asking about the night drive. <laughs> <laughs> so you wanted us to kickstart the, the night drive. No, night drives, we are going to have them anytime soon. Okay. Yeah, we're just busy now fine-tuning the, the logistical problems. Right. So very shortly, we are going to have the night drives in the park. Hopefully before end of this year. Okay. Yeah. So welcome back. I hope to see you again here in Marrakesh National Park, whereby we are going to carry on from previous and look for the leopards. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you so okay, much. thank you. And thanks for all the interpretation. Yes. Really so, 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 so 